Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We are back less than a week later. Look at that. We always make them up. You know, if we miss a week, we kind of do two in a week by accident, by on purpose sometimes. It just happens. There's good reason, isn't there? This Very time. This good time. reason. Yeah, we had to. I messaged you on Saturday and I was like, look, even if they lose the losing streak, lose the losing streak, lose the winning streak, uh, we should still podcast on Monday because Tuesday's game is going to be huge. I was talking to Gerald Bourget and Dwayne Rankin about this after practice today. Uh, we're recording this Monday afternoon, and I was like, I, I guess the Christmas game is going to be bigger just because it's it's a Christmas game. It's the best Christmas game of the Christmas games, unless one of the teams like falls off. But outside of that, this is probably the biggest regular season game that they've played under Monty so far because yeah. there was one versus two with the Jazz last year but in terms of headlines in terms of championship like I didn't go into that game thinking like this is going to be the Western Conference Finals matchup right now if the season ended right now if the season ends right now it's going to be the Warriors and the and the Suns these are the two best teams in the NBA and it's yeah. not even close and they're both streaking I mean yeah, I, we'll get to it. We'll, yeah. we'll get to it in a little bit. We don't want to zoom over what was their two best wins of the season so far. Uh, we've missed, I think, three wins on this winning streak last. So they had the Cleveland win uh, in Cleveland, which was one of those. It's it's a really interesting juxtaposition. Going to make sure I say that nice <laughs> and slow because it's a big old word. Did it. Because against Cleveland... I believe it was, I'm double-checking right now, 66 or 67 points that they gave up in the first half. It was 66, and then they held them to 49 in the second half. And that was one of those games where Cleveland came out with way more energy than the Suns, and it seemed to throw them off. That is a viable thing to happen when you're on a road trip, you're in Cleveland, yada, yada. What happened with Brooklyn on Saturday, Like there was clearly one team that was taking that game, I don't want to say more seriously, but had the this-is-a-big-game energy. The Suns did, Brooklyn didn't, and just like kick their butts at the start of the game. Uh, but the, but there was the Cleveland game and that, and then they recovered in the second half and won that game. New York and Brooklyn, they just beat them down at the start of the game. It was not close. Uh, there was some shenanigans in the fourth quarter where Brooklyn made a couple of runs. Kevin Durant, I think, scored like 15 or 17 in the fourth quarter alone. Played the entire fourth quarter, played 45 minutes, when arguably the best basketball player in this galaxy. Does that. It's going to bring their team back in, it, but it was just him. And and that was it. The guy who's supposed to be the second best player on that team uh, looks like his soul got sucked out. Or maybe, I guess, soul got sucked in because he looks overweight or something. We'll get to Mikel Bridges in a second because he arguably retired Kemba Walker, <laughs> who got kicked out of the rotation <laughs> after what Mikel Bridges did to him on Saturday. Of course, that's a season-long thing. I'm only joking here and exaggerating for sure. Uh, but then what Harden uh, had done to him by Bridges as well, that dude is some basketball player, and we'll get into that. But just, I guess, where we'll, we always start, just your overall... Is there any overall impressions you take from this three, three games? Because like I said, I just think the back-to-back, that was the best basketball they played. And when you look at circumstances, wrapping up 15 games in 26 days they won all of those uh and a four-game road trip i think those are their two best wins of the season like one and two right there and they happen on a back-to-back on in the same city um i think my takeaway is just that this team sorry 
Yeah. Brooklyn is a different city. <laughs> I want to be one of those people. There's a river in between. You can mistake that. But. Sorry. Anyway, I just think that it confirms what we thought, where this team has bigger ambitions, and you can tell, like, again, we, we always reference, like, when you play the Cavaliers in November, like, that was a joke, but the Cavaliers are actually good, and even so, like, it's hard to get that juice, right? Um, but you go put Book in Madison Square Garden, you put him against Kevin Durant, where you just could see both in his talking and his shot selection and aggressiveness, just how much he wanted to make a statement in that game. Um, this team, it just needs to get, you know, amped for the, the, the teams that you don't think about getting amped for. And that's to me, the bigger problem, like the Spurs, the Cavs, most recently Knicks and Nets on the road or they're, they're awake. They're fully awake for those games. Um, despite, and even the like slog when they were stuck at what fifty one points in the Nets game, I think was just they were kind of hunting too much and trying to go at them Switching, a little too yeah. much, um, and the offense just bogged down. But yeah, I mean, I don't have any major takeaways other than they're you can really tell when they're pushing the gas pedal all the way down versus having it ninety percent or whatever metaphor you want to have. Yeah, they're all the way there. I think they have finally rounded into form. I think that the timing of it, which we'll talk about in a bit, is really interesting just to see how it matches up against the Warriors. But I think that something you hit on like two weeks ago is that I hate calling it an on-off switch because that makes them sound lazy. But you've been hitting on the fact that like they have a switch at least where they go from they're playing their normal brand and and they're doing everything they normally do to we are going to win this game for the next eight minutes we are going to do everything we potentially can with the utmost level of energy and focus and all that kind of stuff and them having that is probably way more of a benefit for them than we talk about it often gets looked at negatively like with lebron's teams how they would clearly have an on off switch with his teams i talk about all the time but the fact that you can just turn it on at any point is crazy i don't know if that team is there yet uh if this team is there yet but we'll see they have it at least though and it's a big time thing for them to deploy and it was just on for pretty much the entire uh brooklyn game the the box score for i I think it was the utah game last year too but like the box score for the brooklyn game is kind of like okay this is what we're back to seeing there were three guys who took double digit shots in that game chris paul took 19 a team high devin booker took 18 and the mikhail bridges took 10 but then spread out across DeAndre took eight. Crowder took nine. Seven for McGee. Eight for Payne. Seven for Shamit. Six for Cam Johnson. So every single player in the rotation took at least six shots, but no one, pretty much everyone took um, less than half or right around half of what Paul and Booker did. And that, like, kind of, that's not something you can consistently rely on because of the sample sizes and how much the shots go around because of the way they pass the ball. But with that being said, I do think that that is an indicator of them starting to like figure out their gears and where they're kind of churning and, and that kind of stuff and so on. And to that point as well, I think Chris really in the last like three weeks, two to three weeks, really started to figure things out. Devin Booker just won Western Conference Player of the Week. He's had three straight games with 30 plus points or more. And I think the scariest thing about it, Kevin, is to me at least, this is a guy we've watched now for six years. We've seen him play hundreds of basketball games. I think he's just been hitting tough shots. I don't even know if 
And I don't even know what that means necessarily in terms of like, okay, he has his rhythm now as a scorer, but I don't even know if he has his rhythm yet in terms of getting to his spots exactly, but he's just scoring in his spots. Does that make sense? Yeah, like there was that one that was off the wrong leg, like driving left off the right leg. I think that was a Brooklyn game where he banks it like 15 feet and it's like, that's not really a good shot, but like... (laughs) Okay. Good shot for him. You can't you can't tell him to not shoot. He can those. get better shots, is, yeah. it, is I think what I'm right, saying. Right, he can yeah. get much better shots than he has the past week and he's still whatever shot fifty percent, fifty five, whatever. Fifty three percent over the last four. Okay. Fifty six yeah. from three were his player of the week numbers. So yeah, I mean he's in the zone right now. What do you think about the three point shooting? That's been a big point of discussion. If you want an in depth breakdown on it, do not listen to us, listen to uh, David Nash's words, David Kevin's words on his newsletter. He broke it down a ton. But with that in mind, do you attribute it to anything specifically? Because I honestly don't. I did not read David's yet. I saw that. Um, I have noticed it, when he's really wide open, he's doing more of a dip when he goes down um, to get his rhythm. I have no idea if that's anything. Um, I've always thought he's better as a set shooter from deep instead of like when he really raises up on his, you know, twos that are contested just to get separation. Um, I don't know if that's part of it, but the dip is something that I'm not sure he had before. And the last few weeks I've started to notice it and it's, I wouldn't say it's a full dip. It's like kind of subtle, but don't know if that's it either, but whatever it's, it's working. His career averages have always been catch and shoot. He's always been great. Pull-ups, he's not been good. Um, pull-ups right now, the number is up to 36%. I've been checking these like every couple of games throughout the season for him because it's always like a... I can't remember who said it, but like four years ago, I remember someone was always on the case on Sun Twitter about like the pull-up jumper for him on threes is going to be the thing that makes him a superstar. And we just haven't seen him quite get there yet in that regard. But right now he's at 36, which is a career high. And then on catch and shoots, he's at 45%, which is outstanding and has to be one of like the top 10 numbers in the league right now, top 15 numbers in the league right now. But across his career, even like his career average on catch and shoots is somewhere around 38, 39 pull-ups are around 32 to 33. So I think the catch and shoots being so high, I don't think that's crazy for him to be a guy that's 42, 43, 44 on there. I think the pull-ups being north of 35 is the big one. Yeah, and, and we'll see where it goes because he roughly takes half from each. I mean, this year he's at three seven per game on pull ups, three three on catch and shoots. Last year he was at two eight on uh, pull ups and two six on catch and shoot. So it's been pretty much fifty fifty with a little bit more pull ups lately. But the fact that his catch and shoots are all the way up to three point one, I think, is an encouraging little one number difference that is still a a big difference. Before we get to Golden State. We should really talk about JaVale McGee and the bench. We hit on it, I think, last week a bit. But JaVale has just been really good. And I sat here on this podcast when Frank was playing well and said, like, yeah, Frank should just come into the rotation. He's just playing really well right now. And that shows why I'm sitting here behind a microphone doing this instead of (laughs) doing other things that people get paid for their basketball uh, decision making. He's just been great. He has been... I think the thing that I watched for five games in was how many of the JaVale McGee experience in all caps uh, moments are happening both good and bad and how many just rock solid impact player Mikel Bridges type of plays is he making and what's happened in the last like two to three weeks has been like the crazy 
dribbling and transition kind of stuff has cut back a little bit. And then the impact plays have just gone way up. And in that Brooklyn game, he had like four or five shots that he deterred at the rim without getting a credit for a block in the second half. That was huge because Brooklyn was kind of surging at that point. And he's been great. I think Landry Shamit has been better. He's still not quite where you'd want to see him compared to like what you expect out of him as the third, fourth guard on the team. Cam Johnson has been much better. We talked about that last week. Uh, and then the other guy... Do you say campaign already? Who are you talking about? Campaign. That's the other one. Okay. <laughs> I was searching for it. My brain went missing. Yeah, you were like, I've done I too like, many. Oh, no. <laughs> we're going to get into Golden State. I've looked at so many numbers in the past three hours and my brain is fried. Um, campaign, and, and campaign Chris is, Paul minutes. Yeah. And campaign has been good in, in a way where it's like, oh yeah, when you have one of the best backup point guards in the league, this is the benefit that you get. So I think that their starters, the numbers of the starters have gone up because they're they won sixteen games in a row. But I think the bench has really been the key to their to their resurgence in the last couple of weeks more than anything else. It's crazy how much it looks like the last few teams, the last few years, as far as new players, maybe, but just like the same way that Monty's rotations and how the benches play, just whether it's feeding off the starters or just presenting something completely different. I think that's. Again, all coaching to me. Um, obviously, you need good players to do that, but I just thought they've found whatever is going to work with JaVale, like you said. Um, they're still tinkering campaign more off the ball, which I think is interesting with Chris Paul. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's it hasn't really mattered. Even earlier in the season with Alfred, like when he was needed to play, like they had some good moments and they were effective. So credit to the coaching staff there. Credit to them indeed. Do you want to talk about the Warriors? Oh yeah. So, so I think where I want to start this conversation on the Warriors, Kevin is from the most grandiose position kind of possible, which is that the Warriors are 18 and two. They've won seven straight. They're the top team in the, can I call them the best team in the league right now? Is that fair? Yeah. First in offensive, first in defensive. Would you argue that they have a top 10 roster in the NBA without Clay? Uh, With Clay, it's bordering on top five, but it's certainly not even like top three or anything. Like, I think they would have to be argued as a top five roster okay. in a way. Okay continue the point that i'm getting to is that i don't think this is a star-studded roster in terms of up and down you and i on this podcast um in the preseason talked about them and the way that me and you talked about them was that i don't see them as a contender because their depth in the back end is just shaky i just didn't really like the depth that they had on the back end i thought once you got to names four or five people were talking about kuminga and moody which we haven't seen Kaminga and Moody, by the way. They haven't really been playing that much lately. But it, I just didn't buy it. I was like, Otto Porter, Bielitsa, are we talking about? And it's like, but in the other point of our conversation, when we started talking about like the four, five, six range of the West, you and I were kind of like, well, if 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 Porter hits and Bielitsa doesn't, if Kaminga hits and Moody doesn't, like they've still got enough guys to where it's six or seven, kind of like the way I talked about the Lakers, more than six or seven, like nine or ten. I think what we underestimated, Kevin, 
is that all of those guys, including the new ones, just know how to play the way that they want to play, and they play the way that they want to play better than any other team in the league right now by a substantial margin. I do not mean that as a shot to the Suns right now, but I think we saw, especially in the first half of the season for the Suns in this 20 games, exactly, yeah, 20 game sample size, the first 10, they were still figuring out the way they wanted to play, even though they know the way they want to play. Yeah. Warriors just ran out of the gates and were like, yeah, we are the best defensive team in the league, we are the best ball-moving team in the league, and all of that is going to essentially trickle down into a whole lot of wins after wins after wins after wins. And that is, to me, the goal for the Suns as an organization. When you look at when they brought in Kerr in 2014, this is what they're known for now, this is what they do. They can grab someone like Andrew Wiggins, who's an overpaid, inefficient scorer, and turn him into an effective scorer and great defender, which neither he was in Minnesota. They can draft Jordan Poole at the end of the first round, and with all of his faults, still turn him into a really effective offensive weapon, a developing passer, I'll say that, and a developing defender. But he's in their ecosystem, and so is Wiggins, and it just makes them so much better than they have any right to be, to be honest. And that is the goal for every team when they build a foundation, when they build a culture, all the yada yada, blah, blah, blah. That is what the Suns are benefiting from right now. But in another five years, we could see what it does for them in in the future. And you talk about just like a guy like McGee coming in. It's like, yeah, he's going to be able to fit in here fine because he knows exactly what to do. And they have an ecosystem like the Warriors is not as good, but close. We talked about campaign two years ago in the same kind of situation. Even when they signed a guy like Hutchison, we were like, okay, well, if it's going to work for him anywhere, it's going to work here. When a guy goes to Golden State, Kevin, and doesn't work out, we're like, oh boy, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. When when Bender went there and it didn't work out, we're like, uh oh. Um, but to that point, Kevin, I think you and I talked about this. Like when they made the D'Lo trade, it was like, okay, Clay's out. How many players can they get out of this time? They're not going to be that good. How many guys are they going to get? They got Wiggins. They got Poole. They got Toscano Anderson. Looney stuck around. They brought Iguodala back. I just counted five guys already. Then you got the big three. Three plus five is eight, Kevin. That's eight guys right there. There are a couple names I didn't even mention. They brought back Iguodala. They brought back. Uh, they brought in Porter, who has played well for them right now, and that's Damian been like their Lee. ten. Damian Lee is their fourth leading scorer. So I, I think they've just they. They did it. I don't know how they did, but they did. It's pretty remarkable. End of last year when Steph came back and was healthy, like they made the seed game. That was like kind of like the bubble run. If we're gonna like mirror these two teams right now, they maybe didn't have. They had stuff to play for. Even they could have made the playoffs and played the Suns, but they got a lot out of making that push and quietly. Not so quietly, I don't think. Steph Curry was probably the best player at the end of the season. Um, those guys like Damian Lee, Toscano Anderson, like just where they got out of the... I don't even know where they found those dudes, to be honest. The G League, they developed roles. They're dudes that Draymond Green will say, I want to go into battle with Juan T. And so they did so much groundwork for this season at the end of last season and I think the championship pedigree stuff like that's not going to go away from Steph or Draymond till they're gone out of the league so and to the to the opposite point that I made on Bender yeah hey let's give it up for ourselves round of applause for our Gary Payton the second stock Kev we did Ooh. it clap for yourself come on give it up there we go you cannot judge guys until they get to a spot like this. And Gary no. Payton was just toiling around in in two ways and on, on so-so teams. He wound up in Milwaukee. That's great. But they didn't really give him a chance. And once you give these guys a chance, 
if they're in the right place, it's going to go really well. I think there are a lot more better basketball players in the league than we give the league credit for, but it's just situation. It's so much of it a situation. So then they bring in Gary Payton, the second a guy who's been toiling around for <laughs> five years, and he's perfect for them. More he's, perfect than Avery Bradley, who has been in the NBA and one time not too long ago, we were like, maybe the Suns should make him the starting point guard. He plays center for them. They just brought this guy in a month ago and he plays center for them. And it's just, he's, he's perfect. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, that's that's the type of stuff, and they integrate him so quickly and learn him so quickly and he's like the six foot dude who can catch it from two feet away and dunk it because everyone's worried about Steph and the ball moves um shooting 67 percent this year yeah yeah I mean yeah there are just so many things about this team that you like just as a basketball fan and by the way I know you were talking about KD best basketball player on the planet stuff but I mean Steph's, Steph's in the discussion. Steph's the best show. He teed up a ref last night. He like hit a three and gave the ref a tee. <laughs> like, and he got away with it. <laughs> he is like, get League Pass to watch Steph. If you're listening to this and you love basketball and you don't have League Pass to watch Steph, you should have League Pass to watch Steph. He's on national TV a lot yeah. and you should be watching the other games too because he's, you got to watch him. And, and to your point on that, Kevin, Draymond's back to being a top 30, 25, 20 player, however how you want to go on him. And I know that there's always an argument about him, but he's back to being arguably, I, I don't think it's arguable, he's the best defender, defensive player in the league right now. He he admitted, I think, I saw, and I don't want to go off just like a headline or tweet that I saw, so I would encourage you to like seek this out on your own, but something to the effect of like, yeah, I like refound my like my love for the game a bit, which if you win 17 games or whatever it was when they got Wiseman, yeah, you're going you're gonna to question some stuff for sure. When Steph went out and it was just him basically. Um, and he's back to just being that guy on offense, and y- you know it's you just go through and you're like, okay, um, just not the spot for like Kelly Oubre, and you see like Draymond just barking at him, like, get out of Steph's corner. What are you doing? We leave that corner open on purpose. Get out of the way. And it's just they find <laughs> their they found their guys for two years, and they and they found enough to be this kind of team that can win a championship again. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, so I to kind of like look deeper at what we just kind of talked about and looking at Wiggins and Poole, two guys that I mentioned specifically, by the time you're listening to this, I should have a story up on ArizonaSports.com. I looked at a whole lot of numbers on the Warriors, and I'm going to break down some of them right now. The Warriors get 15 shots per game off drives, according to NBA.com's data. They shoot 58% on those, which is the best number in the league right next to the Jazz. Jordan Poole shoots 57% on those Curry's at 52 and then Wiggins is at 49 and then and then off the ball is obviously where you think of them if you look at the percentage of their possessions by play type so we're talking like isolation pick and roll ball handler if you've seen that nba.com stats page you know what I'm talking about they are number one far and away on cuts duh yeah and they are number one far and away on off ball screens duh the second one off ball screens you're like okay duh Steph, which, yes, he dominates that by, it's laughable. If you look at the number of points per game he gets off ball on off-ball screens, it's 5.8. The guy in second has 3.3. Nearly, he nearly doubles the guy in second in the league. And that's a, that's a place where Clay has been the best, usually, and Steph's been number two. So insert Jordan Poole, who is one of the few guys in the league that's like within the range of the not-Steph tier, <laughs> which is just a bunch of other guys. And then off-cuts, Kevin, these are really small numbers, but 
think about it as filling in the margins of an offense. So looking at guys who get at least two points per game off a cut. And, and if you think about that, if you have like five, five guys, if you total like nine or ten points per game just off cuts, just free buckets basically that you're getting. That's a lot. Ten when free you think about points it. a game. Yeah, like the way people talk about free throws is the way they should t- be talking about cuts essentially is my yeah. point. There is only one team in the league that has at least three guys averaging at least two points per game off of cuts. It is the Golden State Warriors. They have four. No other team has more than two. They have four of them. It's Wiggins. It is Draymond Green, obviously. It is, of course, Gary Payton the second. And my goodness, Kevin, it is Kevon Looney, who yes. is we who need is to give just Kevon like Looney more credit. Yeah, hilarious stat on that. He um, that's forty three percent of his field goal attempts are off cuts, <laughs> which is like far and away the highest number in the league. I'll take hilarious. a hit on the evaluating uh, Pac twelve prospects here, and I thought Kevon Looney would just his body wouldn't function. And it still looks like he's seventy years old, but he's still ineffective. Somehow makes his movements, gets to the spots, knows where to be. Guy, what, what did he break in the finals? Was it a hip or a chest he's injury or had something? Hip back. I don't he know. had something and just played through it, and he has not moved the same since. <laughs> but he still is really effective. One of the other numbers in here, Kevin, league low, 26% of their shots allowed at the rim. That is important because of the man we just talked about, Kevon Looney. He's their only big man, and he's 6'9", and he doesn't really move that well. Not much of a rim protector. Yes, they've got Draymond. Yes, they've got guys like Gary Payton II, who are 6 <laughs> feet tall and can still be rim protectors, kind of. But they don't have a true rim protector still, and you need one on teams unless you do this, which is not allow teams to get to the rim, and when they get there, they have the ninth best uh, field goal percentage defense there when they get at the rim according to cleaning the glass. So it, they just clean up in a lot of different areas. For a long time, they were leading the league in um, three-point percentage defense, and then the stat that I saw last night is that I'd have to double check this, but it was StatMuse, and they're always on point, so uh, I'm sure they're good. But it's a crazy stat that you want to double check because no team has shot 50% or better against them this year, not one. I looked, and the Suns have done that, I think, six or seven times this year. Looked to this morning, so they are, they are, I, I, I really want to trend, like, tread lightly on the word juggernaut 20 games into the season, but when you just look at the numbers and you can talk about style of play and how, but everything is backed up. Like they just do a lot, really, really well. When you look at what could be this team's problem, we'll see with Da. I mean, that's going to be an interesting matchup um, where they just don't really have a guy right now. And even if they had Wiseman, I don't think they'd have a guy um, that could stop a big man like that. But I think, honestly, it's when Clay and Wiseman come back, that's when you're going to see, okay, are you going to be able to survive having one guy who's not in it, obviously for very different reasons. One guy's young and was just not good on defense last year, and obviously Clay coming back is just he's going to have to get a rhythm and get his timing back and all that. So that those are the things that I think right now I would be like, yeah, they could hit a rough patch because Clay's coming back and they have to reshuffle roles and they, those sort of things or they want to get Wiseman some time. But right now, man, I don't know. They play really hard. They all know their roles. I mean, Andre Iguodala is back in a kind of a different role than he had before where he's sometimes just the point guard. And that's why when you talk about cuts and that type of thing, he's not a guy who's going to be 
cutting and dunking and doing all the stuff he used to be able to, but he's going to be initiating because he's a really smart basketball player. So I think that's another one where it's just like you plug in a guy who used to be your (laughs) finals MVP and now he's the backup point guard almost. Uh, Two more side notes on like on numbers to look at. Uh, That defense, there's a key here, which is that they have the best defense and allowing shots at the rim. Somehow, again, I say... We talk about rebounding. You need centers. They are third best at opposing offensive rebounding percentage. So they do not really allow offensive rebounds. They have Draymond Green, Gary Payton, the second in Kevon Looney are basically their de facto centers, and they they allow. And then they are the third best at forcing turnovers. So it's like margin wise again to like the cutting and off ball screen stuff on defense. The margins are there too. And then just more of an obvious one, again, when I go back to all the numbers match this, they are assisting 70.6% of their field goals, which is the highest mark in the last 15 years. The second highest mark is 70.5. That was set by the 2017 Golden State Warriors. Do you say 77 right now? 70.6. Oh, 70.6. Okay. 6% higher than any other team right now, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, so what you're saying is... As far as margins, they're just good at everything, so there are no margins. And then they destroy you in the third quarter. Their net rating in third quarters is something like, what, like plus 20 or something per 100 possessions. It's They are an incredibly tough test, which is what makes it so exciting. You mentioned DeAndre. Uh, I asked about that with Monty. Um, I just asked like reference points again, like is the Clipper series a good one where you can say, okay, they played five out, they switched on us, and he was fine. Because they're, they're going to do this against them. I think JaVale playing. I think JaVale's going to play because that's typically how money does these. But that's going to be interesting to see how long that goes. Because the Warriors are going to target that immensely, nonstop, when he's on the court. So we'll see how they survive, quote-unquote. And they said the usual stuff, which is like, again, we look at it as a strength for us. That's what JaVale said. That's what Book said. Which is kind of how you have to view it in that standpoint. But I mentioned offensive rebounding percentage being so good for them. Like, they have to grab like 9, 10, 11 in games against them when they have a size advantage, when they're playing a true center, when they're being boxed out by Looney or Green or whoever, Iguodala, um, Wiggins. Is there any other key number, key, I don't want to say numbers, just like talking points in terms of the matchup you want to look at? Because I think those are things like turnovers, who like forcing them, all that kind of stuff, offensive rebounding, assists, like are just going to come. Those are going to come. But like, how can you fill in? How can you prevent them from filling in the margins? I guess is where I would. Yeah, go. I think I'd be really surprised if Monty like got off course of the rotations that he usually has, just because that's been him. Like maybe in a series he'll make adjustments, but as far as regular season game one off, I know they play the Warriors again soon here this week. Um, I I would expect he wants to find out. Okay, can DeAndre do this? Can backup Javale? hang against the Warriors um I I think coming off the Nets game too that's interesting with DeAndre because like I was tweeting mid-game like I think he should have gotten a few more touches just from a team playing small ball and the Suns scuffling at points on offense like give him a touch when he gets nice post position give him a little hook if you need an offensive boost um that that those two things I think the size and the matchups there and then Mikel I think We've been watching some of his best play. I know he's been good all season, but just locking up these guys lately. If he's on Steph and he shuts down Steph on the national stage, 
a guy who, again, could be the best player in the world with KD, that's narrative juice for getting his rightful place on all defensive team at the end of the year perhaps um so i i think, I think that's narrative juice for like defensive player of the year conversation yeah him being in the conversation which is something i mentioned last week but is it, like, i think it needs the national attention because correct. and there's no better place than this game for that and i know that doesn't matter and it shouldn't change how people who watch the suns every day think about Mikel, but it, it matters as far as getting his due i think yeah gl- glad you brought up Mikel. i i think I can't remember how much I went to this point last week, but we are at the point now where every game or two he is going to change a game with his defense slash offense. And in Brooklyn, he had a stretch over 95 seconds where he had six points and two steals, and two, four of those points were off two steals. And it was in, it was just in two minutes, and it was crazy. And he's just at that point now as a defender and as a guy finding his spots on the offense where he is going to have that five-minute stretch where you're like, oh my gosh, Mikel Bridges is so good. And his numbers aren't really going up or anything that crazy. Like his points per game, we're not really seeing it at 15 that we need to. But his effective fingerprints on the game are just so much more constant this year than they were before. And I just think he's one of the best defensive players in the league now. I thought he was one of the best perimeter defenders in the league before. Now I just think he's one of the best defenders in the league flat out. You know how we always say, okay, Book and Chris Paul are the clutch. They're going to get mid-range shots as you want. They can ISO guys, whatever. DA in the playoff showed he could be a really clutch offensive rebounder. Um, Do you remember in the Cavs game the past week where – I think Chetty Osman hit a three. He's screaming like they had won, but they're actually down one, and they go into a timeout called by the Suns. And I was just like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be like, like it's not even like a taunting thing that I'm getting old man about. It's like I wouldn't upset the Suns going into a timeout about being down one point still. And then what happens out of the break? Mikel gets a steal, gets a bucket, changes the game. You're done. Steal and save on the same yeah. play. Like it, the ball was going oh, out blocked, of bounds and blocked, he had to save him. a block I don't and know save. If that's yeah, a... I said steal. Yeah, like James Johnson talking to Book in the first quarter when you haven't even come in the game yet. What are you doing? <laughs> you're James Johnson. Like you've been in the league twelve years. What are you doing? Like this team just reacts really well when you push their buttons. Don't push the buttons. And you know, Mikel's been a guy who's been he's answer even if it's just like a team goes on a run. And they, they got to lock up the last two minutes of a close game like Spurs and Cavs games. It's like Mikel has been so good in those clutch moments. You know who's pushed Chris Paul's buttons the most in his career? Who? Oh. The, the Golden State Warriors. I think we're going to get a really, really good game. I, I know we hype up games sometimes and they don't deliver. I just think that especially. What do we got? We got. Chris <laughs> is going to try and dismantle these guys. And Steph is going to know that. And the Warriors have been just dismantling everyone lately anyway. I think we're going to get a really, really good game. I think Chris is going to be like on it from the get-go. Got angry Draymond, who's <laughs> going to get into it with Book, probably in a friendly manner. But Shout out Michigan. Uh, yeah. Book got a pair of socks from Draymond in yeah. high school, he told us today. Was, was there like a, did you guys follow up with the, did you wash those? He like, wore them in his high school games, yes. But so did he, he like, wash it after Draymond gave it to I, him I'm before? Sure he he pl- I would hope He's so. Disgusting. <laughs> gross human. I don't know. Some people think like this. Wash your magic. socks, people. Yeah. Um, like like I said, Steph has been like super flamboyant and like he 
gave the ref a tee. Really Paul weird dance move after a three in like the second quarter. Of the oh other. yeah, that one was weird. Which is like they he's Steph Curry and he can do that, but only he can do that. Gary Payton, like unsung hero guy who's now gotten a chance. Toscano I mean, Anderson is a very big scream energy yeah. play guy. JaVale, like JaVale's actually been pretty tame relative to like past JaVale seasons. There's a lot of potential for just like pure entertainment beyond the basketball. The Denver, the first Denver game was like a, this kind of feels like a playoff game just with the way they're playing. This is going to be a playoff game, I think. Yeah. I, it goes beyond the way the teams are playing. It's just... There's a lot of juice there beyond two of the best teams in the league. Two, the two best teams in the league. Not to say we're jaded or anything watching all these basketball games all the time and coming off like NBA Finals games, which are important, but this pretty exciting. That's what Book joked about at the, at the beginning. He's like, yeah, y'all are talking about this like it's a Finals game. <laughs> we just enjoy the sport, bro. I laughed. It was funny. All right. I'm very excited for this week, man. <laughs> Today's been a lot. Just want to give this matchup and this week the proper uh, credence it deserves. How do you say that word? It's not credence. No. Because it's credit, so I think credence. No, it's credence. Yeah. Juxtaposition. I'm, I'm trying thinking. a lot. I'm trying a lot here. I'm trying a lot of now things. Now I'm questioning how The reason I say week, Kevin... Um, man, they're going to want to take care of business on this one because they played Detroit on Thursday. I'm not talking about Thursday being difficult. I'm saying the day after that, they go to Golden State and play Golden State again on Friday on the second game of a back-to-back going on the road, flying late at night from Phoenix to Golden State right after they played on Tuesday. Last note, do you think this is like a we're not going to show you a lot of stuff situation? I don't think it is. I think they will obviously not empty, empty the barrels like like it's a playoff game and show them and run absolutely everything to win this game but everyone's going to run their stuff i think both these teams know their stuff they know they're going to play again later in the playoffs probably so yeah i don't i don't think it is do you because the lakers no. games were like at the end of last season also it was at the end of last season were like the suns didn't run their offense in that game no i i think the the brooklyn game too was one where it's like they don't even want to run and show new things anyway like there's this is going to be good playoff style basketball where it's just read and react they're going to get into basic sets and just kind of riff off that i think so no i'm not worried about that stuff i think when you stack like four games against golden state and then if they met in the playoffs then you can go back and say how did that evolve but this is just the beginning it'll be good my random x-factor player and I want one from you before we go, is Damian Lee. Just because I think he's a guy who scores for them a bit, but he's also going to be tenacious defender guy on one of the guards. I think Monty staggers in this game too. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Random Suns player, X-Factor. I think JaVale. Ooh. I kind of already hit on that. They're going to go at him a lot. I think he's going to play. I feel Cam Johnson big game mm-hmm. can get a lot off of... Like, if we're just going to put priority on stopping the guys you know are going to score, I think he'll get good looks if they're playing good. Good ball movement, that stuff. It's a shame that uh, Draymond does so much defensively and switches roles all the time that we can't get Jay Crowder-Draymond Green matchup for an entire game because 
that would be a whole lot of fun. But we're going to see that a little bit, and that's like a random side matchup I'm really looking at because those two are competitors with a capital C, Kevin. It'll be good. All right, we'll be back next week to discuss these games, and it should be an exciting episode to talk about regardless of uh, how they go because I think we're going to learn a little bit about this team that we know a whole lot about already, but we're going to learn a little bit more from how they play in these two games, I think. See you then.